I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we offer some first-hand insight on how a single-store John Deere dealership in Wisconsin is succeeding in developing its precision farming business. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added. And just a reminder that by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. While consolidation is a trending part of the farm equipment dealership landscape, plenty of smaller organizations are thriving in the precision farming business. Historically, the majority of respondents to our annual precision benchmark study are one to two store dealerships. This group tends to represent a balance of conservative optimism for revenue projections and a realistic approach to playing to their precision strengths with customers. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with John Ice, COO, and Eric Hagenau, precision farming specialist with Ice Implement, to discuss competitive challenges and advantages of being a single-store John Deere dealership in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with John and Eric covering the origins and expansion of the Precision team, operating a nimble department to meet customer needs, and the importance of staying true to small business values. My cousin Chris and I took the business over from our dad's uh, day-to-day operations in around 2008. Mm. We felt a need, when was that, 2011? 11. We, uh, we knew going into it as a single store dealer, at some point we we need to stay on top of the technology. We decided to start a precision division at that point and began looking for candidates. Eric actually approached us on it. Yep. We, we thought it would be a good opportunity to, to look at that. And that, that got us started. You were looking at 11. I didn't come on until 14. 14 is when I came on. But you were looking at 11 because I had, myself, I had left a John Deere dealership as a service technician and went to a precision egg dealership that sold uh, egg leader and precision planting and a variety of other little things. And then I was looking to get back into the John Deere aspect of it once more. And I had heard through the grapevine that, that uh, John and Chris were looking for a, a precision egg guy. And, uh, and I thought, well, I don't interview. And that's when I got a hold of them. And, and then I basically started up the division with, with their help we got going on it. Somehow so. we roped them up into coming on board. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> yep. But yeah, since 2014, I came on board in July. At that point, there was, like they would say, there was no groundwork. There was no, we don't know what you're going to really do. Um, just take it and go. And, and I sort of did, and it, it's worked out really well. Since then, we, we've grown. We, we've started our own RTK network, um, which was never thought of uh, prior to me coming on board. And when we've we've grown, we've grown. We've got another fellow that works side by side with me, uh, and in the office, and he takes care of. We split basically down the middle with Highway 10 to the north. He takes everything to the north. I take everything to the south, and uh, we we really do a good job. So when you guys, I mean, kind of made that decision uh, to get into you know the precision business, uh, you know. Uh, not a decision, I'm guessing, that was made made lightly, and, and but but certainly a needed one. How did you guys kind of find those first couple of years going as far as kind of 
breaking into it, you know, and, and you know, it, it's not only become a, you know, increasingly competitive market, but at that point, um, you know, did you find that to be the case or were you guys able to kind of carve out your, your spot? It, early on it was tough because it, trying to uh, push a product on that really, you know, salesmen are used to selling iron. So the concept of auto track came okay with them. They, they caught onto that pretty well, but as it just started to take off and change so much, they couldn't stay up on mm. on the technology. So it, we honestly didn't even really look at it. We just looked at how much we had to, to afford him. And from there, we just said we needed to run with it regardless. Mm. Hope that the pieces would fall in the places it did. And as it got to be so much for him, we knew we needed to add another person. And so when Phil came on board, I hired him in the parts department knowing with our discussion we had, he had a passion for the precision side where he could work in parts, understand the business, and, uh, and then ultimately get moved over to the precision side. And, and that's worked out really well. Again, sort of what Skip talked about in the general session with hiring somebody that has passion mm -hmm. and looking at that. And we've run with that recently when we've hired new people. And Phil's an example of that mm -hmm. where uh, we, we knew that it would be something he'd want to do with there are long hours involved yep. and it can be stressful, very stressful, especially uh, the challenge that we've had is they're on their own little island and we've struggled to get the rest of the organization to work with them. Well, they do work with them, but to, to, to be intertwined with them and to be a part of supporting them as, a, as another department in mm -hmm. the organization, whereas they've been stretched thin supporting all the other departments and uh, that's been a a challenge. And what I see too is Phil compliments me very well because he is a data guy. Mm -hmm. He takes data and, and, and can you know do his things with the data. I'm not necessarily a data guy. I'm more of a hardware guy. I'm going to go and get your planner going. I'm going to make your tractor steer. So he compliments me very well. Um, not that he can't do the other stuff, but he is a data guy. He likes his data stuff mm -hmm. and uh, very, very computer uh, savvy that way. Mm -hmm. So how large of a precision staff then do you guys have now? The two of them. The two okay, of okay. Yep. So and you're you know, certainly in a fortunate position to have two very experienced uh, professionals that have been with you for a number of years. Um, talk a little bit about you know, kind of being a, you know, a, a smaller dealership and being able to, I guess, develop you know, your, your precision staff. You know, what, what kind of keeps the, uh, the fires burning you know, from a, a motivational standpoint? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think it's being diversified. I think we're, we're very diversified. We're not, we're not just green. We work well with other colors and our, and our RTK network shows that. I think that's what sets us apart because we're not just tied to one color. We're not afraid to work on other, other brands, whether it's a corn planter, um, tractor, combine. Mm -hmm. We're not afraid to do that. We'll take on those tasks where maybe another dealership might not. Mm -hmm. Training's been one area where we've, I, I give ourselves a bad grade on because they've, the department has had to sort of do their own training and, and be motivated to go out and go to different sessions, whether it's the strip tilling um, or things that John Deere puts on or, or some of the other uh, local agronomic sources put on. And uh, we failed as management to really give them a path uh, to go at. And that's been a struggle as a smaller company to, to have that. Mm -hmm there for them and to have that uh, sort of oversight to, to give them some guidance. Um, we know we need to do a better job at that moving forward. And then also the connection with the service department. We know that we need to train some of our technicians more on the precision side. We have 
uh, a handful of guys that have experience with it, one that's very strong with it, but they're so tied up with just general other service work that we haven't found that balance of being able to have a dedicated technician. And we, we believe it, it's something that can set us apart if we can get to that level, uh, where these guys end up spending a lot of time on the road being that technician. Mm -hmm. uh, but then that keeps them from growing the business as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. What have you found are, are kind of uh, biggest needs that you guys foresee here, uh, you know, in terms of, like you said, uh, accelerating that growth, you know, where, where are the opportunities within your department and your business on the precision side? We've been dabbling a little bit in how can we provide reporting solutions or data analysis solutions. Again, being a single store organization, it's difficult to put resources to that when, when they need to start jumping mm -hmm. in the spring and start uh, dealing with planting season coming around. Uh, that's one growth area. I don't know if there's other ones that you have well, pegged as well. We've been working with the service plans, trying to institute service plans, mm -hmm. and whether it's a phone support, a support agreement or a technology agreement, those sorts of agreements, we've been, we've been trying to figure out how to institute them, how to get them, get them presented to the customer, to the grower, and that he's gonna, you know, be able to accept them and go. Um, that's just not as easy as it may sound. We've, mm -hmm. we've struggled with that, trying to figure out what's the best way uh, to implement them. And, and again, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, you guys are somewhat unique in that you are a, a single store, you know, deer dealership. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a model that I think probably is, is getting to be more of a unique one uh, yes, in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is why we have to look at some other ways to, to be that, to be unique mm -hmm. and to, uh, to have that niche to, to survive really uh, moving forward. Yeah, we're always constantly trying to brainstorm. John's brainstorming, trying to figure out what, whether, where else, what should we be? Mm -hmm. You know, if we're not, we're not doing it over here. Where can we move to, uh, you know, to be able to service and 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 provide a service for for people? And that's kind of a top-down thing. I know that's yeah. been stressed over the years by a number of uh, you know dealerships, especially with the precision side, and that. Uh, you almost can't have management be, you know, two or three steps removed from what the precision department is doing because that can kind of pose problems, you know, with some of the innovation that maybe wants to be implemented. Through our organization, we've been implementing a lot of change with our structure and, and how we're looking at our processes and refining a lot of things, being more efficient. And that's why I felt it was important to come to this now as, a, as more of a management position mm -hmm. uh, because you have to understand it better in order to capture the extra return that's there and also help them. My strength isn't going out and diagnosing in an auto steer issue. That's Eric's. And Eric's strength isn't to, to be able to say, well, I know that I could implement this complete strategy and it's going to return all this money to us. And that, that's the job of management. We've got to find a way. So to connect and understand what they're doing better can allow, and being on a, a small footprint, it's easier to do that within a large organization. It can be a challenge to get through all those channels to get management on board with, with what we need to, to look at to move forward. Yeah, and just to say something too, you know, we need that from a management side because otherwise we get kind of complacent. And we'll stay at a status quo because we know we can, we're, we're doing all right, everything's going all right, but sometimes we need to be challenged, we need to be pushed a little bit and say, what, what can we do different? And, and unfortunately the world is changing every day, so we need to change with it or, or we won't be around. So we just gotta keep moving forward. Again, back to what Skip said with the comfort level, yep. your own comfort level. Mm -hmm. This end of it, the precision, there is no comfort level because it's changing so yep. fast now. Yep. They need the support. 
they give this they give the support to the organization what we're trying to do is turn around and say the organization now now needs to give them the support because they're going to be a driving force of us moving forward we can only sell so much product mm -hmm. i mean yeah. in, in in a limited area to to serve we've got to find another way to keep that recurring yeah. uh, stream of money coming in are, are there examples where you mentioned uh you know whether it's John, you know, you've challenged your precision team or your precision team has kind of challenged you on, on kind of some, you know, forward thinking, uh, you know, strategies or are there, you know, things that you guys have kind of batted around or implement, implemented here in, in, in recent uh, memory? I think the data side, we, because they're so yeah. busy, we haven't mm -hmm. had time to really um, build the service plans, uh, the data plans, uh, anything to really start to help help the growers uh, better in that regard. Probably building relationships with some of the local agronomists. I mean, they know some of them and work with some of them now, but uh, trying to expand on that with, with the operation center from Deer mm -hmm. and uh, trying to provide some of those efficient links for the customer. Well, lastly, I mean, um, you know, uh, obviously uh, you guys have to be, and, and you know, this was mentioned by Skip as well, you know, kind of nimble. You guys have to, you know, adapt. And obviously uh, as a smaller operation, you know, you have the benefit of probably being able to implement things a lot sooner rather than kind of having a longer tail on some of those strategies. What do you find is, you know, maybe some of the best advice or things you know you would offer for you know kind of those those smaller dealerships you know whether it be uh you know for a major manufacturer or or an independent things that have worked for you that you would say this is something that uh you know is maybe something that, that can have a, a broader application i think just being diversified um not just staying not just have tunnel vision, you know, be able to take everything and be able to see what's going on around you and maybe you can adapt to something that's out there that you can, again, help and provide a service for. Um, you know, being able to get reoccurring revenue off of, for us, it's RTK subscriptions, whether it's uh, service support plans, those are things I think we just have to, we have to be better at that and we just have to continue to grow it as we, as we move forward. From my standpoint, it's been uh, the culture of the organization. Mm -hmm. We, uh, the way the previous management ran it, our, our fathers, uh, was a different era then, and a different management style. And we do have some long-term employees still here that I mean, they're pushing 40 years, 30 years with the company. They're used to the old management style, and then a lot of newer individuals. And we've seen a lot of growth uh, adding to our employee count over the years too. So, really putting a focus on making the employees know that they can come to us with anything and we have to be open to listening to them and trusting them uh, because in a small organization it's the employees that really make the difference we, we can adapt and, and implement new things but implementation at the at a small size dealer is sometimes the hardest thing because you're working in the business not not on it too much uh, to really focus on that implementation. So that's where we're trying to take a different path of let's implement things rather than just throwing around a bunch mm -hmm. of ideas and, mm -hmm. and, and move forward and bring the employees into it and make them an active part of it. Well, thank you to John and Eric for your insight into the flexibility and accountability that comes with operating a single store precision team 
And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to give me a call at 262-777-2441 or drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com. And once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. For John Ice, Eric Hagenow, and our entire staff with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening. Thank you.